time to go big or go home with the division manager of primary residential mortgage in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Now, here's the entrepreneur and mortgage extraordinaire himself, James Harper. What would your mama say? Go big or go home. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on this week's podcast of Go Big or Go Home. I'm really excited to have our guest today in the studio here in our secret headquarters uh, in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And it's a beautiful day, and it's um, a nice kind of a brisk day here in Tennessee for May. But, man, we're so excited to uh, have you here. We're, we're, we're uh, always are proud and and um uh, we always want to hear the feedback that our listeners have. We like that you're really sharing our podcast. We like uh, that we're you're listening to us on your way to work or wherever you may go. So let's jump right into what our story is about today and who we have uh, as our guest speaker. Uh, currently, uh, Jason Santiago is the founder and CEO of FitRev, which is a private coaching and personal training company where their motto is basically, health is your wealth. He has been in business uh, since 2018 and basically started uh, his business from scratch in the local Hendersonville market of, of Tennessee, and he had an idea. And so we'll kind of get into that a little bit later uh, and hear how this idea spawned itself. And But basically it was about helping others get in a better mental and physical shape with their body, mind, and spirit. Uh, he basically, uh, Jason, joined the Army in 1999 and serviced three combat deployments to Iraq and, and Afghanistan between 1999 and 2012 and retired from the Army as a decorated Chief Warrant Officer three, and... Uh, most notably is a Black Hawk pilot and was honored as one of the first Black Hawk pilots to fly President Obama in 2008. I think that's pretty badass. Um, some of the basic awards and honors that he received uh, is, man, there's a long list here. Uh, and Army uh, Achievement Medal, Army Good Conduct Medal, Afghanistan Campaign Medal, Iraq Campaign Medal, Overseas Ribbon, Military Outstanding Volunteer Service Medal, National Defense Service Medal, and it goes on and on. And so we're so happy to have Jason in our studio today, and welcome to Go Big or Go Home. We appreciate you have, coming here. No problem, James. Thank you for the invite. It's uh, an honor to be here, and I'm happy that you invited me so I could tell the community my story and what's pushed me to get me to where where I'm at today. So thank you. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and let's backtrack. Let's go backwards in your life. And, uh, of course, we've had a, the, the pleasure of meeting previously and spending a little time together. Um, yes. So, but I want to kind of revisit uh, your childhood a little bit and, and what kind of uh, of pushed you in the direction of maybe going into the Army and uh, sometimes uh, we have people that may say, hey, I just woke up one day and I wanted to be in the Army. And then there's other people that uh, wake up one day and say, I kind of got pushed in the Army. And then there's other people that say, the Army saved my life because of whatever uh, direction they were going mm -hmm. in their personal life at home. So uh, the reason why we want to talk about the Army 
uh, is because that was a big part of your life, but it also helped motivate you into what business you're into today. Correct. So talk about a, a little bit about how that started. But first, uh, what was growing up like for you, man? Growing up was rough. You know, I grew up single parent household in the biggest city in Connecticut, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, it was tough. You know, I got to back in the early 90s. We had, you know, a lot of drug issues in our country and things are tough. So I grew up in a city, like I said, and it, times are challenging. And I remember there's a few incidences growing up where I realized I lived in a very bad neighborhood. And I seen this one gentleman getting beat up one day. And I asked the guys, hey, why are you beating this guy up? I'm a little kid. I was probably in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, back then, we ran around like we didn't have any sense. Can't do that now <laughs> as a young child. Right. But I asked these guys, and they said, oh, he stole some from us. But I was realizing this is this is some serious stuff that I'm growing up and being exposed to at a young age. So I knew then that I really didn't want to stay in Connecticut my whole life. And I always, there's a few other incidences I always knew I wanted to change my life, essentially, change the dynamic of my family, my family tree, and just be different. So when I was in high school, I got approached by a recruiter out of the blue. Going to the Army was never something I thought I'd do. So I had a recruiter come up to me. His name was uh, Sergeant Gallo. It's crazy that I still remember that 21 years from now. I still remember my recruiter's name. He came, and he just kept heckling me, heckling me. And I was like, Sergeant Gallo, listen. If you leave me alone. Was this like it, it, in high school? or Yeah, this was. Walk, you know, there was a re- little recruiting center or I was how, actually, how did he find you? I was actually you? working at uh, KB Toys. You remember that? Yeah. KB yeah, Toys in the yeah, mall. I was yeah. working there. I just got done with high school and he walked in. And it's funny, my buddy saw them. He's like, those guys are going to get you to join the Army. I'm like, I'm not joining the Army. So I always knew I needed an outlet to get out of Connecticut. I just mm. didn't know how. Mm. And God brought these guys right onto my lap. So Sergeant Gallo wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> and my mom pretty much told me, listen, I'm not paying for your college. I thought I was going to go play college football. Coach told me, you're not going to, I'm not giving you any money. So you have to pretty much figure it out. And I went and saw Sar- Sergeant Gallo. And then that's pretty much history right there. So you woke up one day. And said, okay, this isn't working. Correct. This is, uh, you know, some something started registering in your mind that you said, hey, maybe I need to reconsider this. And Correct. why was that? Because you, did you feel like there were no other options at that moment in your life? Did you did you really start being more intrigued about what the, the Army may offer you? Maybe, uh, you know, uh, they talk about the glorious stuff sometimes, being able to, Mm-hmm. fly a Blackhawk yep. uh, helicopter, but also the travel. Correct. Uh, the You know, the freedom to kind of experience life. What started kind of planting the seed with you that you thought, hey, maybe maybe I might need to reconsider this? I think that... Was there what, a specific event that happened? I think what planted that seed was, I don't know if you've ever been up north, but it's very, guys that look like me, we're all pushing one direction. And I knew if I stayed in Connecticut, I was pretty much going to work in a factory. Mm. I didn't want to work in a factory. I knew my potential was better than that. I wanted to break the mold. I wanted to show people that kids that come from projects or bad communities, it's our choice. We have to make that decision. It's harder than, you know, kids that are set up for success. But if we just stay focused, 
that laser that laser sharp precision we essentially decide what we do with our what we want to do with our lives so i knew like i said that was one of the incidences that i used that i cannot stay here because i'm either going to work in a factory or i'm going to be just a typical i'm going to be somewhere where i didn't want to be so the best way with the wrong people correct the wrong crowd so the best way for me to do that i knew in my heart i had to get out of connecticut but being poor growing up the only way to do that was not even knowing it was the army so i was presented that opportunity and it's probably one of the best decisions i ever made in my life so what we well there's a couple real big messages there i mean obviously repeated patterns Mm -hmm. is something we talk about all the time and it's amazing how all the guests that we have including myself some of the repeated patterns that we take in life and until you decide to break that mold until you recognize what that mold is that you need to break you will continue to repeat the pattern and sometimes that can be handed down from family to family with alcoholism mm-hmm. it could be handed down in uh, uh not managing your money correct um and if, if if that's all we know and that's all we've learned we don't know how to break that cycle correct until one day you wake up and say man i'm, I'm breaking this cycle um so i think that's awesome i think that's really that's really good stuff um and the other thing that you kind of mentioned about is that you felt like this door was kind of easily and effortlessly opening opening for you yes and sometimes when doors open and shut it's not until one door shuts and and another one opens so the door that shut with you was i can't play football correct i can't i can't get a a a scholarship of any kind i can't pursue this particular dream i've got this other dream that i can look at and that's being on the streets in Connecticut or working in a factory. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you had very limited options at a particular moment. But what was really easy for you is to keep looking at that door that was open in, in the Army. Does that, does that sound fair? That is fair. And one thing I want to mention, growing up in bad neighborhoods, you, you don't know what you don't know ultimately. If I knew the Army was an option at a younger age, I mean, I would have focused on that. But it was never talked about in Connecticut. I mean, a lot of people don't go to the military in the Northeast. Mm. New York, yeah, there's a lot of people that go from New York. But a lot of these kids, once again, growing up on the rough streets, they need an outlet. They need to get out. So they're provided that opportunity. And same thing with me. It's, I'm telling you, growing up, you only had a few choices in life. Army wasn't one of them. College was never really talked about, and just being a successful person, you just really don't see those things because you just see a lot of chaos, you know, growing up. So, did you have did did you have any moments growing up where you you thought you had the right role model, but man, it was it was not the right person, not the right not the right group, or not the right. It could be family, it could be family as well. You have any brothers and sisters? Yep. Okay. I got some older siblings. I mean the. Looking back, I had uh, some older gentlemen in my life, you know, around my sister's age because she's uh, seven years older than me. And I thought these guys, you know, they would protect me and keep me out of harm's way. But I look back and I think about the things that they did. And I knew even growing up after seeing certain things, I knew right then at a young age, I said, I can't live my life like this because if I do, it's not going to end up in a good spot. So 
once again being exposed to that stuff at a very young age it's sad to this day that young kids are still being exposed to these things but they don't have no other options they're unfortunately children are born into circumstances yes yes and i'm not gonna say my mom did a wonderful job i want the world to know that however sometimes we're just stuck in circumstances that financially or whatever they just dictate how things turn out but i want everybody to know that we do have the choice we have to consciously every day when we wake up make a choice on what we're going to do to get us out of a situation that we don't like or how we're going to make ourselves better yeah, we're going to talk about your mother here in a little while. There's a full circle moment that I, yeah. I, I remember having a discussion with you about, so we're going to get back to that here okay. in a minute. So you you now get into the Army. It's 1999. Yep. Um, you think you're in it for what reason? It's funny because uh, I have a lot of young people come to me now, and I always I screen them before they tell me they want to join the Army, but I was naive and I thought I was going to join the Army mm. to get college money. That's it. I never thought in a million years I'd be in Iraq, I'd be in Afghanistan, flying helicopters, saving people's lives, being shot at, and all this other exciting stuff. But I thought it was all about college exciting money. and stressful. <laughs> yeah, very. <laughs> both, yeah. So it was... Uh, Keep you I, on your toes. Yeah, sure. I was very naive. But a lot of young people are very naive about that. And that's one of the few questions I ask people. I said, one, I need you to understand, when they asked me about the Army, I said, I need you to understand that you're not joining the military for college money. You're joining because one day you're going to be asked by our government to protect this country. Mm. Okay? And as long as you're willing to put your life in harm's way, then join the military. But besides that, you're not joining for the college money because... You could go to college. I've, I got an MBA. I've never paid, have never had a student loan in my life. But it was always mission first, and I knew that. And on my free time, I went to college. So that, that's the biggest thing. I thought I was just going to go get some college money and go back home to Connecticut. When did it become really real that you were in the Army? Was, was there a, I always like to get really into the moment. So was that when you like hopped on the plane to go to Iraq? Was it the words that came out of your, your sergeant's mouth or your commander's mouth? Mm-hmm. What was the the real moment when you said, "Man, this is no fun and games anymore. This, this, yeah. you know, this, this is real." Yeah, I think. Uh, what, what what flashback do you have there? Not to sound cliche, but it was uh, 9/11, September 9/11. I was in Germany. I just got back from Connecticut. I just got into Germany. It was probably uh, I can't remember the day, but I'm driving back from Hennau, going to Fliegerhurst. That's where I was stationed at one 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 Cav out in Budigan. And I was with one of my buddies, and we're listening to the radio. It was AFN back then. <laughs> and they say, hey, a, a plane just hit the tower. They're like, yeah, right, that's not real. So we get to, uh, we get to, to they call them concerns in Germany. We get there, and we notice that everything's ramped up, and we're thinking, all right, yeah, this is, this is something serious. So later on that day, every soldier on that concern, we had to go to the defect. And they pretty much told us that day that, hey, there's a high likelihood you're going to war. And right there and then I was like, hmm, this really ain't about college money anymore. We're really going to go to war. And That was your aha moment. That was my aha moment right there where my life pretty much went from from basically a kid Correct. to a man. Correct. I mean, that's when you said, okay, this is now, it's, it's either me or 
you know, life or death per se, uh, depending on at what moment you encountered that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so what, what was that like as you started transitioning into this, this new mode of thinking? Because you had to, man, man had to kind of disconnect from what, yeah. what the real world's really like and get into this new world of war. Yep. You know, even to this day, uh, that's what, how many years ago? Uh, well, 18, about 18 years, years ago. ago? Yeah. And still just talking about that moment induces, you know, a lot of emotion yeah. because I'm 21 years old. I'm thinking a lot of people my age in America right now, they're in college having a great time. I just got told that me and my buddies, all my close friends, we're going to go get shipped off to a foreign land and go do things that naively we didn't think we were going to do because before then we're just having a great time in the army hey life's great let's go to motor pool weekends coming pt life's simple but now this is all thrown on our lap and it, it does change your life pretty quickly yeah we you know one of the things i'm passionate about is giving back to uh veterans um obviously i'm in the mortgage business where we do veteran loans mm-hmm. but we've taken that a step further and we give back to uh, homes for troops and, and the wounded warrior project um and we give back in ways through you know we put on a golf tournament every year and, and the money that we raise through that golf tournament we give back to the wounded warrior, warrior project uh, that, that's our current charity uh but the reason why i'm so passionate about it is because i had an emotion for me when i was in college in 19 whatever 89 through 94 and that was the first iraq war and i remember i thought am i going to get drafted Mm -hmm. and man i couldn't sleep at night knowing that my life could forever change because i could potentially get drafted now you know the draft wasn't even implemented back then or wasn't even in existence correct but i was naive to know what could or couldn't happen because you know, at that age, we had never experienced war in my generation. And so the feeling and emotions that came over me watching it on TV, too. Mm-hmm. First time you could watch it on TV. Um, so having that feeling of knowing that someone is out there risking their life for my freedom, I've just never forgot it because I knew that could have been me. Yes. Maybe if I wasn't in college or maybe if the draft was implemented by by the uh, the president. So... Uh, man, I, I commend you for all the service that you gave to us in our country and continue to give back to uh, your mentorship uh, for young young kids and helping them understand what the real deal is yes. in the military, but how important it is, too. Correct. Because we, we obviously still need young servicemen to protect us. Um, so you, you go through your service. You decide, hey— uh, Okay, that uh, that's one of the things I wanted to talk with you about. There was a there was a point when you did your first tour of duty, and then you went back, and you reenlisted, and then you went back a third time and reenlisted, mm-hmm. and that is special. I mean, not many people. Man, hats off to you, my brother. Thank you. But not many people say I'm one and done. Mm-hmm. Or most people say I'm one and done. Yeah. Uh, you said no. I'm gonna try this again. I'm going to do this again. Well, there had to be a whole different motivation that goes into play, not once. You, you, you had your chance to probably get out, and you decided to re-enlist again and re-enlist again. Well, what was that, man? 
the army i mean the army is a way of life i tell a lot of people and you do a, you, you do it a lot for the people was it adrenaline too yeah i'm not extent? when i retired from the army i realized i was an adrenaline junkie i mean flying helicopters 155 knots off the trees i mean this stuff is pretty you can't find that anywhere else right. i mean no matter how fast i go on i-65 it's never i, I can't <laughs> yeah. replicate that you know yeah, right so or how fast the car you have correct i think that the whole cliche thing that we do it for our brothers and our sisters in arms I, it's it's a real thing i mean i got to a point where the army made me the man i am today so when i was in iraq in 2003 that's when i got accepted to become a a CW three, a, a warrant officer, and go to flight school. And I went to flight school. I did that whole thing, and straight out of flight school, they sent me to to Egypt to the Sinai. When I get back from the Sinai, I go up to Fort Campbell. Love the place, hundred mm. first. Mm-hmm. And I was only there for maybe eight months. And here we go. We're going to Afghanistan. That whole you get the. Uh, the feeling of being scared and nervous and all this other stuff. But you know you're okay because one thing the Army has beaten to my brain and I live by the philosophy today, trust your people, okay? Trust the people to your left and right and trust your equipment, trust your training. Those three things, they'll get you through anything. And I try to tell people that all the time. So was I nervous? Yes. I have. I tell people, I used to believe there's two things in life you'll never be ready for. Okay, one is having children, two, going to combat. No matter how much you train, you're just never ready. When you get there, yeah. you start playing the game. The third one, it, luckily I found out, is opening my own business, and I know we'll talk about that later. But just knowing that other people, you know, all the people I saved, and those people count on me. So that's what pretty much kept me in the fight for so long, knowing that there's somebody out there that I could potentially save and have an impact on their life. So you go through, you go through, and you finish your 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 combat, and you decide to to hang it up. And you know, wasn't all that easy, right? No. Coming back into the real world, and uh, you know, we hear this from a lot of veterans we we speak with, and that have been a part of our charity we give back to. And and obviously, there's some fantastic, fantastic organizations out there really trying to help veterans, maybe. There's some of them that maybe aren't doing such a good job with it. Um, but the ones that, that truly are giving back and engaging with the veterans, man, the stories of, of reintroducing themselves back into society, mm-hmm. back into the real world, um, no, no matter if you've been wounded or you haven't been wounded, mentally, it's it's an adjustment. Correct. Sure. And... If, if you don't mind, James, I like to say, so yeah. I think uh, every person that's been in combat, we've been wounded, if not physically, sure. mentally. I mean, yeah, just absolutely. just being in, a, in an environment like that for a whole year, you're on constant alert, that beats you down. I mean, even if you don't engage anything never crazy, yeah, you can never rest. You're at, you're at a state of high alert, and study after study have shown how that profoundly impacts mm. your, mental, your mental health. So I think everybody, I tell everybody, Anybody that's going to com- combat, they've come back a different person. I mean, everybody has their own stories. Everybody has their own experiences, but everybody does come back changed. And so how long did it take you to adapt? How long did it take you to – do you feel like you're still a work in process? Or? Yeah, I'm still definitely a work in process. Yeah, yeah, you figure I spent uh, 16 years in the Army, uh, spent a great deal of that 
in combat and i've been out of the army for five years now and i'm still not adjusted i mean i'm adjusted where i i you know conduct myself every day but it's, it's challenges because I think steve harvey says that uh on one of his stand-ups, he, he makes a comment along the lines that God ain't through with me. Correct. And I think that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty spot on. I mean, uh, we all are a work in process and work in progress. Um, and continuous improvement is one of the things I always like to say. Yep. Um, one of the – so you were trying – you come back, you get readjusted. You Did you, did you feel like you were falling back into – a rut of repeated pattern uh, back in Connecticut. Did you go back to Connecticut after you came back? Uh... No, I retired from uh, Fort Campbell. Okay. And uh, when I retired, I knew when I left Connecticut, it was one of those decisions that I'd never go, never, back. Never go back. Yeah, I'd never go back. I'd go visit my family, but that's sure. about the extent of that operation. <laughs> but, <laughs> but besides that, I knew I love Tennessee. I've lived all over the world, and this is one of the best wow. states I've ever lived in. I I tell my friends that have been here their whole life, I said, listen, go live in other states, you'll be back in Tennessee. I mean, we have our issues here, but people are friendly, and we we seem to be, we work things out pretty pretty well around here. So I love Tennessee. Um, so we, you, 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 you get done, you come back, you start adjusting, and I want to get back to your mother here, because we, we want to talk about this kind mm-hmm. of a full circle moment. Yeah. Uh, your mother's name? Annie. Annie. Yeah. So Annie. Mother <laughs> Annie. So Mother Annie um, grew, or not grew up, but worked at one of the manufacturers of a Black Hawk helicopter. Correct. Manufacturing plant. Well, she worked at the manu- the si- yeah, assembly the, plant. Yeah, the, the, the main place, plant. the Corsica Aircraft in, in uh, Stratford, Connecticut. And so, you know, Jason obviously being a Black Hawk pilot, uh, was asked to come back to this assembly plant where his mother worked. Yep. And uh, tell us what happened. That was probably one of the uh, most, it's probably, it rates in the top five most humbling experiences of my life because I was born in April 1980. My mom started working here in August 1980. So essentially my whole life she worked there. And as I said earlier, I would have never thought from as a kid from right. Connecticut growing up on a rough street that I'd fly Blackhawks. It just never never even had any interest. Never even crossed my mind. It, yeah. I didn't even think it was a possibility. I thought, Psh, do that? Yeah, right. That doesn't happen. But to did guys you even like have that. any interest in flying no, Blackhawks? No like aviation and none of that. No interest. Uh, so the president of Sikorsky finds out that my mom, her son, flies helicopters. He personally invited me. He uh he was an army veteran. He flew Kiowas. His name was Jeffrey Pino, rest his soul. He died in an aviation accident uh, a few years ago. And when I got there, I mean, talk about a hero's welcome. I got red carpet service, all the gentlemen that watched me grow up from a baby to now flying helicopters. I mean, these are grown men that I looked up to. They're all crying, and they're very happy of what I'd done. And so it was was very, very humbling. What year was that? This happened in uh, 2007. 2007. Right before I, right before so it, it happened before in April. Before your second deployment. Correct. It happened in April 2007, right before we, we left for Afghanistan in 2000. Well, 2008. I left in January, January 10, 2008. So you uh, list one of your biggest fears 
and and your big one of your biggest fears, and we've heard this from several entrepreneurs on our show, um, and in some of the different uh, conversations we've had, one of the biggest fears that you have is not living up to your fullest potential. Correct. And and we look at it in the entrepreneurial world is the fear of going broke, and that broke <laughs> could be financial, it could Correct. be emotional, but it's. It, it really does have to do with potential. Yes. The fear of living up to your your highest and best potential. Um, at what point did you start feeling that when you came back, and what made you get off the bench with life and say, you know what, it's it's time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull my pants up and uh, put, pull my boots up, and I'm ready to walk back out into this world. And what made you get off the bench with life? In regard to uh, open and fit rev? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I come from a place where if I want to make generational change, I have to make the right investments in life. So I knew one of the best ways to do that is I have to start owning things. And I worked at several other gyms. I worked at one, I had one job when I left the army. I tell people I had one job my whole life. I won't say the company, but. ESPN's got a uh, show about that. You got one job. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I worked at this one place and I realized very quickly I I go from managing 15 aircraft, I was a maintenance test pilot, got all these crew chiefs working for me, to I was essentially a, a note taker at this corporation, large corporation. I knew immediately that if I really want to make change in my life, I'm going to have to do it. I can't sit sit around and wait for anybody to do it. So at that time, that's when I decided to go get my MBA because I needed some type of business background. The Army taught me how to be a leader, how to make critical decisions, how to do a lot of wonderful things, but I needed the, I needed the business aspect from it. So that was pretty much my aha moment. So the most people are scared to take a step uh, to start a company like a FitRev mm-hmm. or, uh, or whatever their passion is, and, um, and they don't even know how to get started. They don't even know how to get – they don't know how to get off the bench. They may yes. have – Mentally, they want they know what they want to do, but maybe their spouse doesn't support them. Maybe they're just scared because they don't know how to come up with the money. Maybe they're uh, they don't want to take the risk because they have bills they have to pay or children to feed. Um, we all have a different set of emotions yep. that go through our mind when we're wanting to take a risk. And um, so, what, what was that like for you with FitRev? You know, I I tell my biggest thing is uh, having courage. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to take risks. There's a difference between calculated risk and risk. And being scared, I mean, I I could, the amount of times every time I took off to go do a, a nine line, a cat alpha, especially a POI, that's a point of injury where I'm landing on a highway, you know, whatever's going on is going on. But uh, you still have to go. You have to do it. You have to put yourself in a game. We'll say for the Army, we use it as business terms. You have to put yourself in a fight. And you have to keep going forward every day. You're going to learn. I could have went to Harvard. Failure is not an option. Correct. I could have went to Harvard Business School. And in the amount of stuff I learned opening FitRev these last 16 months, I'd have never <laughs> learned from any school. I mean, theory. Well, you, you know, you make a com- You made a comment earlier, and I wrote it down. Uh, and it has to do with combat. Mm-hmm. And it says you're never ready. Never ready. Never ready. Never. In business, are you ever ready? Never. Never I mean, ready. <laughs> you just said it. You Never can go to ready. Harvard. and But what you've learned in the last six months, 16 months, you're never ready. Correct. And you're never going to be ready for the next 24 months because there's 
things that evolve and change mm-hmm. and they go on and on. Um, but you're never ready. So to all the listeners out there, um, uh, sometimes you just have to take a step, man. Correct. You just have to take that step. You have to just take a step forward and you have to walk in to that arena and play ball. I think the best way happens. to say it is, is, uh, you don't have to be ready. You just have to be willing. Mm. Be willing to take that step. If you fall down, that's fine. Get back up. Figure out why you fell and try not to fall again. You're going to, but just keep going. Keep going. One thing we did after every mission, after every nine line, I flew in the Army. We did an after-action review. I sat down with my crew, and we all talked about what went well, what went bad, how could we make ourselves better. Life is all about constant improvement. If you're ever sitting around thinking to yourself, I have nothing to do, you are misleading yourself. There's always something to do. There's always a book to read. There's always a community or somebody out there that needs inspiration or help. There's always something to do. So that whole thing about I have nothing to do, I just really don't believe that's truth in my life. I got several questions going through my head, but one of the first things that I want to bring up is what are the top three things you think you learned from the army that you have now uh pushed out to your your business and or helped you mm-hmm. with the startup of your business or help you as you're, you're you're navigating through your business today what are maybe top three things that you you learned from the, your experience in the army i think the biggest thing is one make a decision mm-hmm. i know just know make a decision. Just make a decision. Just make it. I mean, a lot of people don't realize this, but doing nothing, that's a decision. You decide to do nothing, but make a decision. Uh, second, after you make that decision, don't second guess yourself. You don't know how that decision is going to turn out. So make the decision and go with it. And You had to make a lot of quick decisions in the Army. Correct. We're talking Especially about, in combat. Yeah, we're talking about split decisions. I get a lot of... Not feedback, but a lot of people look at me like I'm crazy because when I think of something, my brain's working at a million miles a second. Mm-hmm. I already have the end done before I even mm. start. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of people don't realize how my mind works because 12 years of flying a Blackhawk, that's how everything works. And the third thing is uh, just be a good leader. I never I never ask my people. This was my, my crews when flying, my people at FitRev. If I'm not willing to do something, I'm never going to ask somebody to do that. If I don't want to work on Sunday, I'm not going to ask my people to work on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think there's a lot of hypocrisy that goes on nowadays. And I think as a leader, I just need to lead from the front and I'm never going to put them in that situation. What do you? So we're going through a, a, an unprecedented pandemic right now that, no, that we as a society, we as a country don't even know what the future looks like. Mm-hmm. What we do know is what we've experienced in the last 90 days. And that is we've had uh, changes to our family, changes to our relationship, changes to our job, uh, changes to our, our just mental state. Correct. Uh, we, we've been in unfamiliar territory and circumstances, having to stay at home and not being able to socialize. And, um, and, I, and I really believe that as people start migrating back out into their new norm, there's going to be a set of people here that it's going to really keep them in a funk. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a set of people here that breed entrepreneurship, that really take this 
take the time that they've had off or to take the time that they've had to be different or at home and learn from this, learn from that, uh, enrich their mind, you know, knowledge is power and, and all that type of stuff. What do you think, I already kind of know the answer, but what do you think you're, what group do you fall in and what do you think you've learned out of this coronavirus? Because I think for me, I've learned a ton about myself mm-hmm. and a ton about what I want to do and a ton about how I don't want to be. Correct. Um, so wh- how do you, what do you think about that? What do you think you've learned from this? I think one of the biggest things pandemic? I've learned is uh, one, arm yourself with information. Okay. Don't be one-sided opinion. Look at everybody's side. You formulate that information. Then you make a decision for yourself. I think a lot of people, we talked about it earlier, are afraid to make the decisions for themselves. And they take advantage just that that right to choose certain things. But you need that information. I think another thing is, uh, I think one thing, even during combat, even on my low times at FitRev, I never stop believing in people. No matter what we see on TV, no matter what we read in news, overall, I think people are, they want to be good people. Yeah. You know, I don't think a lot of people are ill, have a lot of malice in their heart. There's people out there, but is it the norm? No. So I think if, as long as we continue to believe in each other and our communities and we try to lean on each other, we'll get past this. But we got to try to, you got to be very careful what you put in your brain mm. and what you tell yourself negative every day. Negative breeds negative. Yeah it's it's just that's a fact i mean that's a scientific fact right there no matter what so just try to positive thoughts get yourself around good people and just do the things you have to do to put yourself in a good mental place well what's in store for jason next what is uh what's on your plate um i know that you have uh you know some specific interest in wanting to write a book and if you had a, a title for that book today what would it be It'll be called the uh, the Golden Hour. The Golden Hour. Yep. Be in the lookout for that whenever yep. that becomes available and it gets written. The Golden Hour. Yep. And what's the Golden Hour going to be? What's the theme and story about? It'll mainly be about we live in a world, no matter what you do, everything's by deadlines. You have deadlines, no matter how big, how, how small. You just have to figure out how in life you're going to meet these deadlines. And the golden hour for us was just making sure certain missions in medevac met that that hour uh, limitation. So it's all about having a plan. Your plan doesn't have to be perfect either. I mean, just write something down. Write a goal down and just focus on that. So that mm. that's the biggest thing, just getting people to realize that, you know what, if I want to do this, then I could do that. But this is how I'm going to get there. So I always ask my salespeople, you want to get 10 members? How are you going to get there? Because there's a process to that. You got to get a certain amount of leads. You just can't throw out an arbitrary number and think you're going to hit a goal. You have to have a way to get to that goal. I think a lot of people don't realize that. People want to be doctors but don't realize they have to be in school for 12 years. And, you know, I could go on for days. Yeah, you know, there's vision boards. There's there's obviously documenting different ways to write goals down correct but man i tell you sometimes the easiest thing is just writing just writing random thoughts down on paper um and and sometimes i've looked i've written down random thoughts and i go back and look at it three or four months six months from now and i thought man that was a hell of an idea Mm -hmm. or that was or that's something that has manifested itself because i wrote it down 
several months ago. Yep. And it, it's it's amazing how powerful the mind is if you you constantly reinforce it with the you know what you what your your goals and objectives are. So what do you? Uh, so what's next for you? you? You know you have a book that you're wanting to write or yep. in the process of writing. What else? I'd like to do some uh, motivational speaking after I grow fit, Rev. Just get out there and. I want to provide hope to people, not essentially hope, but show them a way that, hey, I came from places you've come from, you can do it too. You just have to put your blinders on, stay focused, stay keep moving forward. Lane, yeah. yeah, I think we get too busy with busyness. I, mm. That's a social thing now. I, told, I was told a few uh, last year that being too busy. busy being busy. Correct. Busy is a social <laughs> status now. I'm like, what is that? There's a difference between being busy <laughs> And productive, so be productive, not busy. Oh, that's good. That's a great way to end the show right yeah. there. Be productive, not busy. Correct. There are a lot of people doing a lot of busy stuff but aren't productive. Correct. Man, I, that is, that is, that is, woo, that's good. I know I get that way. We all do. I talk to my marketing manager, Cameron, all the time. I said, I don't know what I did today, but it, it wasn't productive. But you, I was busier in hell. Yeah. <laughs> If you don't mind, uh, would you mind having Cameron just give a, a shout out to a Fit Rev really quickly? Yeah, she's let's one of do my it. best customers. Bring her on I, the show. Bring I, her on the I show. Wanted to, that was going to be my next thing to end the show. We wanted to have a uh, we always call it a shameless plug, but it's the <laughs> real deal where we want to try to uh, promote uh, you know your business and yes, try sir. to get traffic flow to you. So go ahead, mm -hmm. Cameron, step up to the mic. What do you got? Let's. You can use mine. Absolutely. So, well, it's nice to finally be on the podcast. The <laughs> go big or go home. Yeah, I'm always behind the scenes, but now I finally get to speak to all of the listeners. Um, yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to Jason uh, mm. because he has made uh, such an impact uh, in the last, what, 16 months, you said? Yes, in our community, he has... Uh, the, it, when you walk into FitRev, where I'm a member, uh, you are notified by name. You're mm -hmm. greeted by name. Uh, you know everybody in there. It's a very family-friendly, related dynamic. Um, I chose to go to FitRev. Uh, I... I I'm very shy uh, when it comes to working out, and I'd had a really bad experience where I got made fun of mm. um, at my previous gym. Some like meathead made fun of me, and it <laughs> ruined me. And I never like you. yeah, I never I didn't go back to a gym for about five years. And then I met Jason at the Chamber of Commerce, and I was like, you know, this guy is this guy's really awesome. He has a great per. Um, energy to him and so i wanted to just thank you for providing an exceptional business that is uh different than what people normally would expect um when i go to the gym i'm excited I, i'm like I, I don't dread going to the gym i look forward to going and and dancing and working out and seeing my friends and jason getting in trouble for me for talking to people in the class <laughs> uh but no i but other than that jason thank you for your service and uh it's really been a pleasure to get to know you you just got to remember when you go there to be productive not busy correct all right jason how do they how do they get connected to fit rev so you can visit our website www.gofitrev.com you could also come visit us. We're over on Indian Lake Boulevard. Mm -hmm. It's uh, 261 Indian Lake Boulevard, Suite 350. Awesome. Um, Instagram, uh, FitRev Training. We did change our name to FitRev Training now. I want people to understand that FitRev is a training facility. So you can follow us on uh, Instagram, 
Fit Rev Training, and Facebook, Fit Rev Training. Awesome. Well, man, we wish you the best of luck uh, with all the family and friends here at Go Big or Go Home. And we appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, you are one badass veteran, and Thank we appreciate you, your service and, and all of your uh, 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 give back to the country and uh, protecting our freedom along with everyone else that is, has done it throughout the years and uh, currently in, in service today. Uh, we love the veterans. We, li- we love current active military. And, uh, again, follow us on our Facebook page, uh, Go Big Nashville, and that's also our website, Go Big Nashville. And we have a live event coming up in September, which is going to be our first ever four-hour live event show on entrepreneurship, how to go big or go home, how to get off the bench. Hope everyone has a great day. I'm James Harper with Go Big or Go Home. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Primary Residential Mortgage, Inc., NMLS 3094. James Harper, Division Manager, Primary Residential Mortgage, Hendersonville, Tennessee, NMLS 71317-131, Saundersville Road, Suite 140, Hendersonville, Tennessee 37075. Primary Residential Mortgage, Inc. is an equal housing lender. Some products and services may not be available in all states. Credit and collateral are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. Programs, rates, terms, and conditions are subject to change and are subject to borrowers qualification.